Good morning. And what an honor. <laughs> I had no idea when I accepted this assignment. I had no idea either. <laughs> so, I, feel I, I have no doubt that God's word will be efficacious. Thank you, yes. <laughs> I feel a little bit like Captain Steubing on the love boat. Uh, here we go. <laughs> In our first letter, John encourages the congregation to keep loving each other. Love isn't just an idea or a feeling, but something that we practice over and over again. And as we do, we honor God's gift of love in Jesus Christ, who gave his very life for us. Listen to God's word as it comes to us in 1 John chapter 4. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be Thanks to God. Thanks be to God. Here now the second lesson, the familiar words from 1 Corinthians 13, so appropriate for this day. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions and hand over my very body so that I might boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For now we know only in part. Then we shall know fully. When the complete comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now, 
we will know only in part, then we will know fully even as we have been fully known. So faith and hope and love abide these three. But the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for the gift of love that we celebrate this day and ask that it would be in us and through us by your holy will. In your name we pray, and may all God's people say, Amen. We talk a lot about being a church family, or what scripture calls the household of God. And it's a lovely idea. It, it really is. We're Christ's brothers and sisters, as Jessica helped the children understand this morning. But what does it really mean for us to be family, to be God's household? Maybe Don and Sherry Morrison, who celebrate their anniversary today, or Jim and Linda Spitzer, who have 57 years today. Maybe they could give us some tips on how to be a true household of God. Now, I want to start with a warning to Jane and Stefan and to all of us. <laughs> By acknowledging that being a household or a family isn't always sweetness and light, one of my favorite quotes is Tolstoy's opening line in Anna Karenina. <laughs> Happy families are all alike. Every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. <laughs> it's so true in our families of origin and in the households that we create. When I was in Albuquerque uh, for two weeks, my daughter and I binge watched The Crown. <laughs> and I was really struck by how perfectly it captured the myriad ways families can go wrong. <laughs> Jealousy and disdain in one place, self-righteousness and self-pity in another, hedonism and loneliness in another. I'm, I'm sure that none of you can relate. <laughs> and if that's true about our homes, why wouldn't it be true about our church family, too? I've served in enough congregations to know that no church is perfect. And each church family has peculiar ways of being unhappy. We can get twisted in knots of distrust and disappointment, of annoyance and anger of exhaustion and irritability. And I hate to say it, but as long as we're human, that's normal. But I also know that unhappiness is not the end of the story. Unhappiness 
is not the end of the story. And today, on Homecoming Sunday, we're reminded of why even our church family is worth every minute of our life together, imperfect as it may be. First, in God's house, in God's house, we learn that we are fully known, fully known and loved anyway. As Paul writes to the church in Corinth, then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. We don't know everything about ourselves, but God does. God knows us through and through, warts and all, and showers us with love. And here, here in this family, we learn what it means to be welcomed just as we are. Here, we learn what it means to be loved not just for our greatest gifts, but in spite of our deepest flaws. Here, we learn what it means to belong, what it means to belong not because we're important, but because we're human, because we're human and each and every one of us is a beloved child of God. And second, in God's house, in God's house here, we learn how to love others just as God first loved us. If we can't learn how to be patient here, why bother being church? If, if we can't learn how to be kind here, or humble? Why bother saying that we're brothers and sisters in Christ? If we can't rejoice in the truth here and speak the truth in love, then where on earth will we learn it? This is why we're a church family, so that in Paul's words, we can grow up we can grow up together to be the hopeful, durable, merciful people God intends us to be. Or in the words of the lovely song that Kirk sang for Jane's grand entrance, <laughs> here we find in each other a smile that heals us we find hearts that reveal us. We find words that lift us up. We find strength that lifts us up and light that helps us turn around and help us to become who we were always meant to be. We come to be loved even as we're fully known. We come to learn to love one another just as we are. And last but not least, we do this not only for each other, 
but for the sake of the world that God so loves. It's why it matters all so much. Today, especially just 20 years after September 11th, we're so keenly aware of how crucial love and compassion and truth are in this world. If the world needed more arrogance or rudeness or envy or deceit, God knows we could find a million ways to learn how to do that. But here, here is where we find a still more excellent way. Here, we learn how to be a happy family. Imperfect, yes. Definitely. But happy, nevertheless. And above all, here we learn how to carry that happiness, that joy, that love into the world as a gift that everybody so very much needs. I pray that that's true for us as a family of faith. And, and dear friends, I pray that it's also true for us in each of our own lives, which we celebrate in this new family. You are here to remind us, dear friends, just how precious God's grace really is, just how strongly God knits us together in love. Amen.